Hey, this is Cam Pipes from Three Inches of Blood. Hi, this is Charlotte from The Lane. What's up? This is Parker Jameson from the band Starkill. This is Brittany Slays from Unleash the Archers. I'm Greg Browning from Crimson Shadows, and thanks for listening to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome, Great Metal Debate listeners. Glad you could join us for one of our great artist interviews. And I'm here today via Skype with one Mr. Bill Wallace, who is the basis of Striker. Hey, hey guys. What's going on? How's it going, Bill? It's going well, man. How are you guys doing? Actually, we're doing pretty good. I know the listeners are anxious to hear from you guys. Now, for those of you that don't know, and if you follow the Great Metal Debate and you love metal, you should know Striker's another one of our favorite in a long lineage of phenomenal Canadian metal bands. Bill, why don't you kind of give us a brief rundown on Striker and its history? Yeah, sure, man. Um, you know, it emerged shortly after uh, we all graduated high school, you know, like back in 2007, 2008. And it all started with uh, just a little scratchy basement demo, and uh, some of the boys went and did a few uh, festival runs, so just just visiting festivals, meeting friends in Europe, and uh, they gave out some of these demos, and, you know, they returned six weeks later, and they had, they had already been offered, you know, a couple indie contracts that people were really interested, and uh, it just kind of manifested from there. It started with a, a label, I don't even know if they exist anymore, called Iron Codex, and uh, <laughs> they released uh, Road Warrior we did, and then that eventually turned into Eyes in the Night. And then I don't really know the the full story about what the hell was going on with those guys. But, uh, you know, that, <laughs> that door kind of closed. And the door to uh, working with Napalm Records opened yeah. and uh, did Arm to the Teeth. We recorded with Michael Wagner in, in Nashville and uh, released that via Na- Napalm. And, and they re-released uh, the Eyes in the Night and the Road Warrior on, on vinyl and CD. And... Uh, and then eventually, you know, some some tours and stuff fell through and, and whatnot. But uh, you know, I think that album got a good response. Maybe not enough, like uh, enough touring with it, but uh, great album. And it a, um, yeah, it's a great album. It really is. I like to. I love it. You know, it's a. It sounds like it's got that beautiful Michael Wagner touch to it. Um, it it sounds so vintage, you know, and. I think it worked really well with like all the tracks that were made with that one too. So, uh, you know, very great album, very happy about that. And then a couple years later, um, we decided to do uh, a new album, City of Gold. And uh, we decided we wanted a more modern sounding album this time, not so, not so um, vintage sounding, you know what I mean? Yes, you know, with yes. that, the heavy kick drums, the more like Dimebag sounding guitars, you know, very razor sharp and and so we uh, recorded in um, in Sweden, and we ended up getting uh, what resulted to be City of Gold, and we're very proud with how that worked. And leading up to the new album, Stand in the Fire, we, we worked with uh, Studio Friedman again uh-huh. uh, to try and capture that wonderful sound that he was able to produce. And uh, yeah, we're super excited about this new album, which is just as thunderous. So. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of people are super excited about it. I tell you what, let's because uh, uh, we're going to talk about the new album a lot. There was a lot of cool stuff that y'all did I want to talk about. Okay. But before we go on with that, let me get just a little bit of history on you, Bill. You know, I have this question I ask all the musicians that I, uh, that I talk with, um, and many of them have uh, what I call a metal epiphany. They listen to a band, a song, a show, and, they, and something clicks, and it becomes the thing that they want to do for their life. Did you have one of those moments? Was there a certain artist, band, or song that kind of threw you over the edge of wanting to be a, a, a bass player in a band? Um, I mean, I was always super stoked about like shred guitar and like heavy, heavier music, especially growing up. But I mean, the the world of heavy metal, as as I know it now, didn't exist. As you know, I did. I didn't have, uh, I guess, the contacts of people who who opened my my doors to these things. But mm-hmm. when, ah, uh, geez, it probably would have been uh, this sometime in high school, maybe when I was in the twelfth grade. Um, I think. Especially for shred guitar, our singer Dan gave me a, a mix album of like all sorts of stuff from Ozzy to like the beautiful shredding of Jason Becker, and it really like opened my eyes to that realm. And then um, our friend Ian, who is a guitar player and striker once upon a time, he he had like just a, an amazing music collection. He started showing me bands like Loudness and. Uh, and he showed me uh, bands like Primal Fear and and he gave me Judas Priest Painkiller. And I think at that point when, when I listened to Black Sun and Painkiller, my my whole perspective of like what music in my head should be changed. And uh, you know, I started to develop some kind of elitist complex, I think, you know, being a seventeen <laughs> year old I was at the time, but but uh, it was those albums, you know, and uh, it was Symphony X5 I got around the same time and uh, yeah. Halloween's Keeper of the Seven Keys. So just a whole a whole mix of these wonderful albums, like, from different reaches, you know, and uh, they're, you know, they were totally game-changing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of those bands and albums that you mentioned could be, you know, top ten lists of uh, uh, 80s, 90s, and 2000s metal. I mean, this is great stuff. Uh, when did you know you could do this? You wanted to do this for a living, though. I mean, you know, was there a point where you said, "Okay, I'm gonna all in"? Uh, I think I think Striker started to get a lot of uh, like attention, and like the fan base kept growing, and like people from all over the world wanted to see us. And when when you take the music career, you know, it's it's risky, especially in like the heavier genres. I mean, we don't we don't go out and try and do this for millions of dollars. We're not trying to be Metallica here, but but uh, the the big thing is like you you only have so much of your life to live, you know. And I think when you look back on like what you've done with yourself, like what are the things that you value the most? And so when this opportunity came forward, it was like this is something I think a lot of us dreamed of as kids. And and when we first picked up an instrument to just be able to play shows and like and and create music we all loved and i think when that opportunity really presented itself it was almost a no-brainer so well i mean it's amazing what uh, a few basement tapes have turned into for you guys really incredible yeah man and it's it's still pretty surreal you know <laughs> cool now in, in, in today's metal community there's so many different sounds i mean now mm-hmm. you guys 
I mean, you have a, a ton of different sounds, but you have more of an 80s sound, which is one of the reasons why I love the band. I love the, the uh, exactly the types of guitars and the shredding guitars that you talk about. How would you describe your sound? And, and is that important to you? Does it matter what people describe your sound as? Yeah, I mean, we like to we like to familiarize ourselves with like the heavy metal genre, and uh, I know a lot of people call it the the new wave of British heavy metal, but I, I just think that's too many words. So we like to refer to ourselves as the new wave of heavy metal, and that's not it's not like the Lamb of God style. It's just totally like rock and roll, heavy metal, headbanging, classic style that people you know were introduced to you know in the late 70s and throughout the 80s you know right and uh i think i think it really comes down from the influences of i mean a lot of it is dan he writes a majority of the music and he's interested in bands like you know vicious rumors the the carl albert era you know huge iron main influence a huge judas priest influence so the rock and roll has always kind of been there and, and, and the heavy metal aspect of it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you definitely have that sound. Like, I mean, the new video release, Too Late, it, it has that definite striker sound with a little bit of a new edge to it. Is, is that sound indicative of what's coming in February with the release of uh, the new album, Stand in the Fire? Yeah, I think so, man. Like, uh, we have a lot of... This album, to me, is, like, really awesome because we... We we didn't hold anything we didn't hold anything back you know so like our friend Randy released um he's a Randy's a guy who who did the drums for this album because our our drummer Adam he couldn't be around he was touring with uh, another band at the time so he couldn't track drums for us but Randy released a video of uh, another track called Out for Blood and if you listen closely there's some saxophone in it. And it's it's just enough. It's not too cheesy, you know what I mean. Uh, but it it, it yeah. adds to the chorus, the the guitar melody. And like we do, we've we've done a few of those things where we're like, you know what, screw it, let's just let's just try it, see how it sounds. And I'm not saying we're doing anything experimental by any means, like no way. But uh, I think this album is just like no holds bar and just like you know, a really good all-around heavy metal album, and I'm so excited for the world to hear it. Uh, it sounds like Stryker is playing Stryker the way they want to. That's uh, that's always a good thing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, we we went independent this time, so, like, the opinions of someone uh, across the world are no longer, like, validated. It's what, what we think is good, and uh, honestly, I think it paid off. Excellent. Now, what was writing this album like? Well, I mean, you said Dan writes a lot of the music. Was it a conglomeration? You know, I mean, does he do most of the writing still, or is, is, is a little bit of everybody? Um, this time it was uh, between him and Tim, our lead guitar player. And one thing that we, we talked about before we started doing, like, uh, like the demos and stuff for this was, like, he wanted people to contribute. If, if they had any ideas, like, just let, let's talk about it, let's sit down, let's... Uh, yeah. record them and hear them and so basically Dan and Tim just started pumping out demos like you know like what what do you guys think of this what do you guys think of that and then uh, uh, we we had a, a, a guitar player uh, playing with us last year he's no longer with us anymore but he helped create a real banger and we're very excited about that song too it's very in your face uh, almost speed metal type song and uh, cool 
Yeah, so there was a lot more contribution as far as other members this time around. And and then we had the the musical genius of Randy Black on the drums, you know, like when a lot of these demos are made, you just use, you know, whatever drum program you have and whatever program you're using. I think the guys use Pro Tools, easy drummer stuff. And Randy hears it and adds his own finesse to it, and it's just uh, a whole other level of musicianship and playing. So I think there is contribution from many members as opposed to Dan being like, hey guys, here's 10 songs I wrote, what do you think? It was more like, you know, let's sit down together, talk about these parts, or let's let's hear what you guys have written, and uh, let's take it to the table. Excellent. Now, let's get into the album a little bit more now. You guys, you guys did so much changing with the way you recorded and mixed this album. I'm just going to kind of turn you loose. Kind of tell me what all went into the making of this album, and it's particularly the independent parts that you guys did yourself. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, this is a really exciting part, because with the way music is growing, you know, just in general, it's so accessible to have uh, the programs that these pros use in their studios, right? Whether it's Cubase or whether it's Pro Tools. Um, we've had we've had these programs for a while. It's what we used to record our, our demos with. It's what Eyes in the Night was actually recorded with. Um, and so when when we were able to make contacts, you know, with like guys in Studio Fredman, we realized that they could take whatever sound you have or like guitar tracks and they can reamp stuff and whatever. You can do all the editing yourself. So we're like, do we really need to approach another studio if we can do a lot of the, the dirty work here, you know, like guitar tracking can, can be very, very tiresome and and yeah, you can yeah. do the bass tracking and stuff like that, and you can do vocals if you have if you have the right mic, you know what I mean? So we're like, well, let's just try and piece what we can together at home in our own studio, and then we'll we'll work with with the guys in, in Sweden and and give them give them the tracks to do their magic with, which is just you know they just have a way of mixing and mastering that we just couldn't do ourselves so that's where that relationship uh, works so well so a lot of it you know re- recording at home trying to i mean we still have to spend a lot of time tracking and, and recording and everything but at this time if we have to work or if we have other stuff to do we we don't have to dedicate like time traveling or investing like that kind of money that in turn we have we can we can utilize our time, our efforts, our, our funds a lot better, and to to create a better outreach. So, and do you see music going that direction? A lot of independent people putting together stuff and sending it to be mixed. That kind of uh, that kind of production. I think I honestly think it's the way of, uh, of the world. I mean, we can sit here on Skype and and talk and, and have this interview. We don't have to go in person, or you don't even have to call me on my phone, right? I mean, right. It's just it's so convenient now using the web and and the programs and and it's just so easy to communicate and especially in real time, you know. So to me, um, I mean, just my own opinion. Like a lot of people are saying. Uh, CDs and and just like printed music is is going out of style and I I don't believe that I mean I love collecting vinyl I don't care if it's from the 1980s or if it's from 2015s you know what I mean like I'll always want to collect vinyl and I'm hoping bands continue to press that what I think is happening is the independent approach is just 
it puts it, it's way it's way easier for fans and bands to connect with each other. You really remove the middleman. Maybe if you're a band, a huge band or a huge artist, you know, maybe having a, a giant record label is the way to go as far as like distribution and whatnot. But a lot of that stuff, it's all networking, and you can really do yourself if you if you send the right emails, if you talk to the right people, and you're willing to develop relationships. So. I think especially for emerging artists um, and maybe even some of the bigger acts, I really think doing it yourself is the way to go. Cool. Very cool. Now, you, you spoke about vinyl, and uh, a lot of bands are offering vinyl in their pre-order packages, and I know you guys are doing that too. Why don't you tell me a little bit about the pre-order stuff now? Yeah, absolutely. So we threw together um, – we, we wanted to – you know, I see a lot of these GoFundMe projects, and we we're really interested in doing that. But we wanted to provide, we wanted to have the album done before we started the pre-order, just like anything. We didn't want, we didn't necessarily want this album to be fan-funded. We wanted to have the product for the fans, so there was actually like something there, and that we could give, you know, finished tracks as we go along and really promote it, rather than just banking on the fact that people might want to or might not want to hear a new album from us right so yeah yeah we threw together the pre-order so we have we have some really cool things like we have skateboards we have a local guy here he creates uh awesome decks like i know uh the thrashier music and stuff usually goes hand in hand with like skateboarding regardless we were given a cool opportunity to like throw our stuff on like some really well-made canadian canadian skateboards so we we're doing that we we got some belt buckles which are also bottle openers. Which you know, if you're if you're a heavy metal fan, you probably enjoy your beer. <laughs> I know I certainly do. So I mean, you know, you'll always have a bottle opener on hand. Um, yeah, why not put it on your belt buckle? That's amazing. And it's so convenient. I mean, uh, Adam has a, he has a belt buckle with a bottle opener on it, and he uses <laughs> it all the time. It's so That's convenient. Great. It's just like your cell phone. You know, it's just like it's so easy it's so simple and uh, <laughs> such a good idea oh yeah um what, what are the dates on the pre-order i know it's been going since mid-november right yeah so the pre-order is going to wrap itself up uh december the 10th okay and five days so yeah in, in five days and the we basically uh have exclusive artwork for the pre-order and some of these items are going to be exclusive only to the pre-order and we really wanted to set like a timeline on that. So number one, we we could order this stuff in time for the pre-sale and have everything lined up. And this also helps us from over-ordering. You know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. don't want to order 100 skateboards and have only three people. Sure. Just yeah. as a random example. Um, and like the artwork we got done for this is really cool too. So it really, you know gives people that opportunity to be like, well, I'm one of very few people that own this, you know? Sure. And I, I love that. It's, that's rare stuff. So we also have some some uh, some vinyl, some test pressings, which we're giving away for people who want to share and, like, help get the word out. So, I mean, if you're, if you're listening right now, go to our Facebook page and uh, find that link. I think it's on the top of our page and share it, and you can win, like, a test pressing of the vinyl, which is really cool. You know, that's, that's stuff, you know, that I think we have five of them, so. Excellent. I mean, that, you definitely have some cool stuff on your merch page. There's a lot of good stuff to look at there. A lot of stuff I think people will want if you get there. It's uh, 
Uh, that's amazing. I'm sure some of our listeners will get there too. Um, yeah, I love the fact. I love that, and and we we really want to include people. So every every order made, uh, regardless of what it is, if it's a digital download or if it's like the, the keg party, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. But we want to throw your name in the booklet, and that's never going to leave it. You know, you're going to be a contributor to to helping make this album get out there and helping us like really plan tours and. And increasing like the quality of our live show, it's something we've always like pride ourselves on, and it's only going to get better. And and the contribution in the pre-order is going to like basically directly reflect how we can how we can step our game up and and how we can even reach further around the globe to visit fans from everywhere, you know. So sure, um, yeah. contributions will like is wonderful. Your name will be in there, so. If you do order, just let us know how you want your name spelled. What if you have a nickname? We don't even we don't care. <laughs> you know, if you if you want to be called whatever, you know, you just let us know when you order, and uh, and it'll be in there. I promise. Yeah, and I, I want to encourage fans to to go check out. Uh, uh, I heard you mention it in there the basement keg party, and then the choose a cover song options and stuff like that. They have some really unique fan involvement for this entire project uh it, it's a it's it's almost revolutionary in the way to approach promoting and putting together an album and a way to involve the people who love your band it's a i, I really was impressed with it oh thank you very much yeah we put we put a lot of time into like how we could be like way more just direct you know like when huh? when we were in like when we had uh when we were with napalm um you know they have their own way they want to approach things, right? And and it it, it works good, but I mean we're it's there's that that middleman. So if we want to do really cool exclusive items, that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to do those, right? So this gives us a chance to like do something a little more risky, but be a little more direct, and um, in turn we can do some pretty cool things, you know. And uh, we have already got one of our cover songs bought up so we have one more left i know it i know it seems a little pricey um but i promise if you and a couple of friends like throw a few bucks together we'll we'll play whatever the hell you want us to do and uh this the one song that was picked which i'm not going to reveal to you guys um <laughs> is just yeah. it's perfect it is so good i'm so excited that was the option and uh people are really going to love that well, I shit, you. now i got to buy the album. You got me all interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. Well, listen, let's just let's kind of we'll, we'll start wrapping up here. Just tell me you got tours coming up. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. We have a ton of dates coming up. Um, 2016, starting February 5th, we, uh, we fly over to Europe, and we do uh, – we're going to be opening for Primal Fear, awesome. which is wonderful. Like I mentioned earlier in the interview, Primal Fear is Black Sun was a huge reason why I'm into the heavy metal I'm in today. And uh, just to be able to tour with some of my idols, like that to me is just kind of mind-boggling, you know. So we're going to be doing that, um, I believe it's the 5th to the 28th of February. And then we're going to try and hit a few dates in UK. We're just in the middle of confirming a few shows. We'll at least be playing in London and Glasgow and like some of the bigger cities in the UK. But um, now, will, you, then, will you guys be playing in Mexico and South America this month? Did I read that? Um, what happened? Um, there was that, that big hurricane and whatnot. Oh, uh, Hurricane, okay. oh, geez, I don't even remember yeah, the name. Hurricane so tore the hell out of Mexico, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it beat the hell out of Mexico, and um, so the promoters had contacted us, and I think I think it came down to just like being able to book the best show for the time, and I think December wasn't the best for a lot of those promoters, and so they were willing to have us, but they felt that if we could put it off, you know, until like springtime, it would be it would be way worth that way worth everybody's time. So. We're going to get back from the UK probably about the 6th or 8th of March, and we have shows starting, oh, geez, I can't remember, somewhere in South America, starting on the 11th of March, and we're going to be doing South America and Mexico until about the end of March. Great. Um, so and we're going to take you had, a you couple months. Off, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Hey, no worries, man. Um, we are also working on booking uh, USA. We have some dates uh, confirmed. We're just trying to finalize some stuff and um, going to throw some Canadian dates in there too. And that'll be around starting probably beginning of May until sometime in June too. So. Oh, man. I hope you guys could make it to Louisville or Nashville or, or Clarksville, Tennessee, somewhere in that area. That would be awesome to see you guys live. Yeah, we're going to try and reach all the places that uh, went really well for us last year and try and hit off some of the other uh, cities. There's so many beautiful cities in the United States of America, which we didn't have a chance to go through. And I know we had some disappointed fans last time. They were not happy that we couldn't make it close. So we're going to try and try and expand our reaches here, you know, and like make it a really good time for everybody and uh, and really hopefully reach out to all the people we have you know, we're waiting to see us, so. Excellent. We're waiting to see you too, man. Well, tell me, Bill, where can fans get Striker music and merchandise? Um, the big thing is on our website. So www.striker-metal.com. If you forget the dash, it should send you to our website anyways. There we if go. We, we have that. Um, right now, on our store, you're only going to find the pre-sale stuff until, until the 10th. Um, you won't have access to any of the. Well, we can we can do it, but we're really trying to get people to buy this new album. So, um, probably starting <laughs> on the 11th of December, we will have the rest of our store back open. Um, you know, if something is really pressing, if you if you need to send an album or something for Christmas, just send us uh, a message via Facebook and tell us what you're looking for, and we can probably help you there. Whether it's a T-shirt or. A, you know, whatever disc you're looking for or whatever vinyl, which we don't have very many left of. Right. Um, I believe you can find us on iTunes. If you if you have Spotify, just search up search us up on Spotify, listen to the tunes there, you know. Um, and all over YouTube, our channel has our brand new video. Um, and you can find just through like Napalm our, our other our other videos that we've released in the past. So we're kind of all over the place with our music. It's pretty easy to find. All right. Um, I'm going to do a side note here. Bill, do you guys have a release date yet? Is it, it's February? February the 5th. February 5th. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, well, we want to thank Bill Wallace, bassist for Striker, who's here today with us and talked with us today. We've talked about Stand in the Fire, the new album coming February 5th, uh, followed by a tour in Europe with Primal Fear, none other than Primal Fear. Uh, Bill, thanks for being here. Uh, it was a great interview. Uh, be sure and hit their website up and look at that pre-order stuff. And if you can't get there in time for that, then be sure and get the new album when it comes out. Thank you so much for having me and, uh, and giving us a, giving me a chance to talk about what's going on. We're Like I said, we're really excited for this. You can find two of the new songs online, one via, you know, um, 
our YouTube channel, Striker Metal. Watch the video. Head over to our website. Even if you're if you're not interested in pre-ordering, until the uh, the 10th of December, you can download Too Late for free and add that to whatever playlist you have. So just at least go and get the free track. And uh, you can search up Out for Blood by Randy Black. He does a playthrough of that song. So there's two two beautiful samples of what's to come. And uh, thank you so much for uh, for giving us the time. Really appreciate it. Super excited, Bill. Thanks again for the Great Metal Debate. Be sure and check us out at all our access points. This is Brian for the next podcast.